Good morning, Gold Avenue Church family. This is Marissa. It's good to be able to read and hear from God's Word this morning, and I'm excited for what the Lord has to share with us. And so let's open with prayer. God, we praise you as King of Kings and as Lord of Lords. We praise you as a God who loves us and a God who speaks to us. And so, God, we pray that you would open our hearts to hear and receive from your word what you have for us today. Um, and anoint my lips, God. Give me the words that you want to share with your congregation this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so our text this morning is from Nehemiah 7 as well as Nehemiah 12. And we're blessed to be able to read this passage about the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. And so I'm going to start in verse or chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. After the wall had been rebuilt, and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. And then we'll move to Nehemiah 12 and we'll start in verse 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians were also brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netaphathites, from Beth Gilgal, from the area of Geba and Asmeveth, for the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and the Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the walls. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right, towards the dung gate. Hoshia and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, as well as some priests with trumpets, and also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, and the son of Zachar, the son of Asaph, and his associates, Shemaiah, Azariel, Milalai, Gilalai, Maai, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hanani, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people past the Tower of the Ovens to the Broad Wall, over the Gate of Ephraim, the Jeshina Gate, the Fish Gate, the Tower of Hananel, and the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Sheep Gate. At the Gate of the Guard, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. 
So did I, together with half the officials, as well as the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Miniman, Micaiah, Eloani, Zechariah, and Hananiah, with their trumpets, and also Messiah, Shemaiah, Eliezer, Uzi, Jehonan, Micaiah, Elam, and Ezer. The choir sang under the direction of Jezreiah, and on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoice, and the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, first fruits, and tithes. From the fields around the towns, they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by law for the priests and Levites, for Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did also the musicians and gatekeepers, according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there had been directors for the musicians and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all Israel contributed the daily portions for the musicians and the gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside a portion for the descendants of Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. And so in our text this morning, we read of a celebration, the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. And as I pondered this celebration... I found myself thinking about different kinds of joyous celebrations, of birthdays, of weddings, of graduations. And last week, I was blessed to attend my cousin's wedding. And first of all, let me say that it was so nice to be able to attend a wedding in light of COVID-19. While at most weddings, I'm filled with joy, at this wedding, I was filled with mixed emotions, with joy and delight however, as well as with sadness and longing. I was sad because both my cousin and his now wife come from broken families. And also because my cousin's sister, who was standing up in the wedding, had just lost her husband in May after a battle with cancer. As the bride and groom exchanged their vows, it was clear that these words would not lead to a happily ever after life. They were pledging to love each other in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, and as long as they both lived. While my heart was filled with joy as they expressed their love for each other, my heart was unsettled as I saw the brokenness of our world right before me. Vows that were broken, and life that seemed to have been taken before its time. I longed for this couple to have a life filled with joy and faithfulness, but I knew that it would require work and sacrifice. This wedding ceremony was the beginning of something new, but it didn't mean that it would be easy or without pain and struggle. The same is true in our text. We read of this joyous celebration as the wall of Jerusalem is dedicated. 
The text doesn't focus on these failures along the way, but it celebrates the completion of God's command to rebuild the wall. And honestly, upon first reading this text, we feel this sense of accomplishment. It's like I wanted to conclude with, and they all lived happily ever after, since they just finished the work that God had called them to do. But we'll read next week in Nehemiah 13 that this is not the case. Last week, Pastor Dave preached on Nehemiah 8 through 10, where Ezra read the law and the people were reminded of how broken they were and how they turned away from God. In turn, they wept and repented, and they vowed not to neglect the house of the Lord. And in order to keep in step with this obedience, the work did not stop with the completion of these walls. The people are not just sitting back and relaxing. Rather, we read in Nehemiah 7 that Levites, gatekeepers and guards, and musicians are installed. Under Nehemiah's leadership, Levites are installed according to the law to maintain purity among the people. Sacrifices would need to be offered for the forgiveness of sins. Cleansing was needed for this unholy people to be in relationship with a holy God. And gatekeepers were also installed. Just because there were gates for protection didn't mean the gates could be unmanned. Gatekeepers and residents who were stationed outside their homes had the role of protecting the city from harm and alerting the people of any potential threat. This implies that opposition would continue. And also, musicians and singers were installed. Wait a minute. We don't think about musicians as those who played this crucial role in society. They're not these warriors or builders or leaders. And so why is it so important to have musicians? Musicians and singers were worshipers. They loved the Lord and in turn led the people to worship God. And while they could sing, their purpose was not to perform, but to worship and to stir up worship and praise in the hearts of the people, keeping them from becoming complacent and living for themselves. And so unfortunately, just because the walls were completed, it didn't mean that the work was over. In fact, it's like it was just beginning. The exiles in some ways had rededicated themselves to the Lord purifying themselves in the walls and taking up their new roles in the city. Just because the walls and the gates were completed, the people still needed to maintain holiness. They needed protection, and they needed to be drawn to worship God. And so we're left wondering, would they be protected by their walls of salvation, and would their gates stay strong? Would God's people live into their promise happily ever after. And we find ourselves in this spot too. We want the celebration of the wedding day, but do we want to be married, to live life in loving pursuit of Jesus, the one who first loved us? The exiles were eager to celebrate the completion of the walls and the gates, but they needed to recognize that this was just the beginning of the joyous life that God had in store for them. 
And so we too can celebrate the walls of salvation that Jesus died on the cross, purchasing salvation for us. And this is something the enemy cannot take away. And we can celebrate the gates of praise that the enemy cannot steal our joy, but that the good news of a relationship with Jesus and pursuing his kingdom is news that can be shared with all the world. The gift of marriage is not found simply in the wedding day, but in a life of pursuing the Lord and each other. And I wonder if we're prepared to love Jesus in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, for better or for worse, and pursue him as long as we live. And not only are we willing to love Jesus, But are we willing to work hard for the sake of the world's happily ever after, this joyous life that's offered to them in the kingdom? And we have the same needs as the exiles. Like the exiles needed Levites to lead them into holiness and purity, we too have this ongoing need for holiness, a need for purification, for repentance, and for renewal. And there's so much hatred, bitterness, and frustration in our world today. And honestly, it's so easy to be swept into it all. I mean, it's hard to honor someone who misunderstands our beliefs based on our political party. And it's challenging not to gossip about decisions that someone made that we disagree with. And so cultivating this bitter root. And it's easy to turn to temporary satisfaction and relief in the midst of all this pain and pressure, rather than press into our calling and pursuit of Jesus. And like the exiles needed gatekeepers to protect them from harm and remind them of the truth, we too see a need for protection. And while physical protection is something we need, we also need protection from the lies of the enemy. The truth is that we have these walls of salvation and these gates of praise. We belong to Jesus, and the enemy can't take that away from us. Yet how easy is it to neglect God's word and be led and guided by the news and social media or the opinions of others? And we've been given the spirit and the word to lead and guide us into truth, to stand firm in our identity in Christ. But will we listen? And we also, like the exiles, need to be drawn to worship the Lord through music and singing. Sometimes we've forgotten why we sing and who we are praising. In the midst of this chaos and brokenness, our focus has shifted to the hardship of the vows, the sickness, the poverty, the death, and the bad, and we forget that we've been pledged to marry Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the only hope for this broken world, and the one who offers to be with us forever, and who fills us with joy. And as we lose sight of our identity, we lose sight of our purpose and calling, leading to this joyless life. 
When we lose sight of our identity and calling, we give in to complacency as we feel like the world is without hope. And we give in to selfishness, longing for the joy of Jesus' return without wanting to commit to marrying him and loving him in this world. What if the joy isn't found in the wedding day, but in a loving relationship with Jesus, knowing who we are and whose we are, that we are the bride and that he is the groom, and that it's an abiding with him, in him, that true joy is found. Friends, what if, like the exiles in our text, we're overflowing with joy as we live into the reality of the gates of the walls of salvation and the gates of praise being established? And what if, in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, that rather than giving into despair, we are so rooted in our identity in Christ and his love for us, that we're filled with worship and it overflows into our workplaces, our communities, and families. This is the reality of our text. The walls of Jerusalem are finished and the gates are set in place. And in response, the people gathered together from the surrounding towns and villages to worship the Lord. Yes, there was work to be done. But today was the dedication day. This wedding day, the day where they were filled with joy, as we read in verse 43. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The key to their joy is that it wasn't based purely on their circumstances. Their joy wasn't simply that the walls were finished and the gates were set in place, but their joy was found in the Lord and their relationship with him. Their joy was found in pursuing him and his kingdom. They knew that hardship would come. Holiness would be threatened. Opposition would come. Self-righteousness and complacency would try to creep in. But they rejoiced in their God, their lover, who on this day made known his covenant love and faithfulness to his people, this love and faithfulness that would indeed continue through all generations. I imagine the exchange God's people had with him on that day as they marched around the newly rebuilt walls of Jerusalem. Scholars say that the songs the people had sung could be the Psalms of Ascent, which are Psalms 120 through 134. These psalms which were sung on pilgrimages to Jerusalem for festivals. These psalms express the love of God for his people. And in turn, the people's joy and delight in being found in the love of the Lord. In Psalm 131, we read of God's love like a marriage vow. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her faithful people will ever sing for joy. 
And in reply, I can only imagine the exiles marching around the walls of the newly established city of Jerusalem, singing the words of Psalm 126 to the God whom they love. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Friends, this is indeed a joy-filled day. God's people choose to love the one whose love for them would endure forever and whose faithfulness would continue through all generations. They choose to be his people and live according to his commands. They purify themselves, playing instruments, giving gifts, and performing services according to the commands of Moses and David. And they do these things not out of duty or obligation, but out of love. They have found joy in the Lord as they loved him and served him and worshipped him. And it was from this overflow of love for that he had for them that they did these things. The walls of salvation were in place and they knew that God was indeed their God, a God of redemption, restoration, and salvation. And the gates of praise were laid in place to call them to a life of worship and praise to their covenant-keeping God who invited them into a relationship with him forever. And while this joy is already building for us as we read this text and imagine the immense celebration, God dwelling with his people once again and his people choosing to love him and serve him in return, we wonder what this means for us. While God showed his love for his people in the Old Testament by promising to be their God and love them and remain faithful to them forever, we've been given his love in a new covenant, in Jesus. We no longer need to be purified through sacrifices or blood of animals, but are forever made pure and holy in the blood of Jesus, which has washed away all of our sins for once and for all. We no longer need to work to uphold the law perfectly because he's given us new hearts and has placed his spirit in us to lead and guide us into what is true and to protect us from the attacks of the enemy. And we have been given eternal joy in a relationship that begins when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and which lasts through all eternity. We have the gift of being loved by him forever and loving him in return forever. We get to be his bride. And not only that, but his wife. We're blessed with doing his work and the rewards of intimacy and joy that come from this long-suffering love. We have the walls of salvation complete forgiveness from all of our sins, and the opportunity to be in right relationship with the Father. And we have the gates of praise, 
the joy of loving God by walking in obedience with his commands. The question then is how can we be the bride, the people of God, that is ready for her groom, Jesus Christ, to return? The truth that these exiles found and that is true for us is that the joy is found in being loved by and loving Jesus. We read this in our text that the people rejoiced because God had given them joy. They didn't simply rejoice that the walls were completed or rejoice that they had these roles to serve him and these gifts to serve him and this protection. The root of their joy was found in God. And this is true for us too. We have such great joy because we belong to Jesus. And it's from that starting place that we maintain holiness, that we walk in the truth, and that we worship because we find He alone is worthy. He is the one to be praised by all the saints and angels forevermore. And He is indeed coming back again. We as the people of God are filled with joy because we belong to Jesus and get to look forward to that day when he returns and makes all things new, inviting us into a perfect relationship with him that will last through all eternity. This is the day we read about in Revelation 21, the day when Jesus the groom marries the bride, his church. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This news is so good. It seems too good to be true. And this is where true joy is found in a relationship with Jesus that has already begun, will be made new when Jesus comes again, and will continue through all eternity. We started this sermon relating this dedication of the walls to a wedding ceremony. And we can see that this is a theme that is woven throughout Scripture as God enters into a covenant relationship with his people. And just because we're invited into a relationship with Jesus and have been given salvation uh, and given and gates, it doesn't mean that we won't face hardship, temptation, and opposition. However, rather than giving into despair and discouragement, we can be filled with joy because our joy is found in Jesus. We rejoice because God has given us great joy. He is the one who first loved us. 
And this is the love that compels a wife to testify to the goodness of her husband. She remembers what a gift it is to be loved by such a wonderful man. And she marvels at the grace of her husband to love her despite her faults and brokenness. And if this is the love that we experience by humans, how much more do we experience the love of Christ who loves his bride, the church, with perfect love? And not only have we been given the gift of a groom, but we can anticipate and look forward to the day when our groom, Jesus, comes to the final wedding, making all things new. Friends, we are the bride. Are we ready for the groom? Are we joyfully anticipating Christ's return? Let's pray. God, we are filled with joy because you have filled us with joy by inviting us to be in a relationship with you, by inviting us to live for you and for your kingdom, because we are found in you today and will get to be with you forevermore. And so, God, we pray that your praise will ever be on our lips, that this world might know that Jesus is Lord and that he is coming back again. And so we pray that you would fill us with joy as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.